Solo. Welcome to our four quarters, your one-stop shop for news, reviews, and overreactions to all things NFL. Super Bowl's in the books, and as much as they tried to, they did manage to win it. So hey, we got Connor here, we got Sean, Hello. we got Fitz, Hi. and we've got Harry. Hello, I'm back. Briefly. Back in pod form. <laughs> pod form. I got, I got tricked. Eh? Like, back in pod form. You're <laughs> doing, we're doing the podcast in your house. They tried to lock me in a bedroom, but I broke out. Yeah. Uh, so that's how we all feel. Heads are a little bit gentle, but uh, surprisingly all right form for what's normally a far worse shaped day. Yeah, I'm more refreshed than I've been at most post-Super Bowls, I must say. Um, I don't yeah. know why that is. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I, it pro- probably something to do with the absolute criminal prices they were charging yeah. for pints in <laughs> the yeah, bowl. It's a good way to, to, to restrict your alcohol intake if you pay seven fifty a pint. Yeah, the seven fifty was the going rate for the cheapest pint in the pub, uh, unless you decide to go for pictures of Foster's. So uh, we probably we had some, we, we had some, but probably not as much as if we were doing it in yeah. a house. I suppose. Uh, how about yourself, Fitz? How are you feeling? Ah, grand. You know, it's a big bus journey ahead of me after this, but. Uh, other than that, getting on well, and uh, it was a, it was an interesting Super Bowl. We'll talk in a moment. Yeah, it was an interesting one altogether. How are you, how are you feeling? How are you? A little worse, aware. Uh, yeah, definitely been better, but uh, mostly mostly being up late. Um, as you said, I think the price point of the pints was a critical feature. And you know, we got Temple Bar, uh, turn up to the turn up to the place within ten minutes. I've been charged seven for a pint and had my ass grabbed. So yeah, Temple Bar is back. <laughs> yeah, really ridiculous. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it's a good atmosphere in the pub, but yeah, there was a lot of kind of structural problems with how they tried to run the bar and stuff as well. There was a, the bar manager was trying to manage all of the tabs people had by hand on the back of a piece of paper, which is just incredible in this day and age to see happen. Uh, and we also had one of the, one, one of our friends, Richard, uh, was so shockingly beautiful to the eyes of the server that she then dropped two of the plates of foods and ran away in fear and never returned, which was... Uh, exciting way so i suppose we'll we'll kick straight into it there's some new stuff but we'll kick that into the next uh the next pod we're just going to do this as a pure super bowl catch-up so obviously look we know the nuts and bolts of this are the rams managed to win it was a was like we'll definitely get onto this fourth quarter shenanigans that happened but as a very high level overview we kind of had you know, big plays from the defenses at different times. The end of the game was Donald making a massive hit to force Burrow to throw a ball probably a little bit awry, uh, and it caused an incompletion on fourth and one, and they were able to win. They had seven sacks, eight tackles for a loss, big performance from from, from their defensive line. Uh, Burrow was, you know, there were moments of, of, of lovely excellence in there. Uh, Higgins went over 100 yards, and he also passed for a touchdown, which was lovely to see. And then we saw a response from that of a very failed attempt at them also running a trick play back at them. Chase went for 92, Mixon 74, and a touchdown. Uh, there was an awful lot of, like, big plays, but no consistency coming out of that offense. There was an awful lot of stop startiness an awful lot of bad sacks at the wrong time kind of stuff happening uh stafford had a pretty decent game we call it right on the two interception guess uh and also pretty much the timing of them as well uh he went for nearly 303 touchdowns and two uh interceptions uh but their their, their offense was essentially cooper cup trying to carry the weight after an early odell beckham injury cup went for just shy of 102 touchdowns won the mvp uh it was a very unusual in terms of game script game because we had a very exciting and close first half and then we got into the second half and everyone decided they just didn't want to win the football game anymore there was seven punts uh between the third and fourth quarters uh cincinnati just seemed to 
feel like it was too big a spot and the Rams were able to kind of push their way through it. So just, I suppose, off the top, what's the high-level kind of thoughts on the game? What do we what do we take away from it? I thought it was it was almost the inverse of what I was expecting from Cincy, of they kind of had some big play stuff early on and then they just went into a shell, whereas normally it's in the second half they kind of come out a little bit on adjustments. Uh, so I was a bit surprised by that. Yeah, now my read on it is I think the what kind of what you want to have in a big game is the big players on the Rams stepped up when they needed to, whereas the Bengals maybe just didn't do enough in the end. I mean, I'm particularly thinking about Cup in that last drive. He had four catches. He was the go-to guy. The Rams, when OBJ went out, their offense kind of fell to bits, and they kind of had to rely ultimately on just giving the ball to Cup all the time, and he, and he did it. Then you have Aaron Donald, not just the fourth and one, but the play beforehand, which was the third and one when P. Ryan was trying to go in and Aaron uh, Donald in the middle of tackling another guy put out his, his arm to stop P. Ryan from getting across the, the yeah. line again. I mean, the, those were the, the, the big plays where the players the players that needed to step up did, whereas the Bengals, you don't really have the same thing. Did, did, did Burrow make the big fourth quarter throw? He didn't. Did Jamar Chase make the big fourth quarter catch? He didn't, whereas on the other side, the Rams didn't. I think ultimately that was the difference, was that the Rams were able to rely on their big players when it really mattered to step up, whereas the Bengals ultimately just didn't execute. No, that's fair. Do you, Fitz, do you think that Eminem drove Stafford to success? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's a bit distracted for most of the half, so maybe he was a bit uh, starstruck for the first, uh, well, basically the first what, seven eighths of the second half until that final drive where he actually scored the touchdown. Because he, like, the, like, I think the most disappointing part of this game is I think the first half was a really intriguing setup. Mm. Uh, not quite like, you know, Chiefs Bills level, but that kind of sense of like a tense game. Um, some back and forth, and then the, you come out in the third quarter, you have this explosion of action. Um, you have the Stafford interception, you have, sorry, you have the 75-yard bomb to T. Higgins, uh, which may or may not have a little bit of a grabbing of the face mask, <laughs> uh, but that's only more hilarious because it's Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and then <laughs> next play, Stafford throws an interception. I think then there's a couple of field goals after that, but then the game just petered out, and comparing that to the end of, like, say, the Chiefs built, where it was just like it got crazier and crazier, it went on, it was just, it was a little bit disappointing, and it just felt like both teams were playing not to lose, like they understood each other well. And like, you know, like I understand why the Bengals did it because obviously they don't have any, they can't run the ball. Like the evolution that we've seen from teams like the Chiefs and the Bills this year compared to their previous iterations where they didn't have to just lean on their explosive plays, they could grind it out and get the tough yards. The Bengals have never been really, like the Bengals have struggled to do that at times this year. Um, and against this defensive line, they really struggled. Uh, but I think Mixon, he was pretty good, so they might, could have given it to him more. But yeah, it just felt like in that like second half, Similar to the San Francisco game, the Rams' defensive line just got better and better and better. It seemed like every single drive was ending with Joe Burrow getting his ass handed to him. Um, and fair play to Joe Burrow, he doesn't like step down; he keeps going. But ultimately, that like like we have you know the offensive line, which has been a huge issue all year, that ended up being the difference here. And you know, I think both play callers can be. You know, especially Sean McVay with his big reputation. I don't know. I was pretty disappointed with what we oh, saw. Oh, the there was so many, so many bad play call decisions from him as well. It very much felt like he had kind of. <coughs> that he had a script in place and he wanted to just run with the script regardless. Uh, there was a horrible moment towards later in the game where we thought possibly Joe Perro might have done his other leg as well. But then he came back out and he was still able to play. They they But they only ended up running probably about a series of kind of like quick pass, uh, avoiding any time with him. And then they're like, actually, they were happy enough with it. It was great to see. But I do wonder if possibly there was some element of, of, of him not being 100% towards the back end of that game. Because, you know, as much as he's, you know, ice in his veins doesn't seem to get shook by these by, by the sacks like you said it was unrelenting pressure from that defense and they were getting to him the whole time like that probably had to play some element in his head as well 
Yeah, I think so. And I think you're looking at, um, as much as you, I think rightly Ronan criticizes the play calling, but I think there was an element towards the end of the game where that made them conservative because, you know, fair play to Borough for going back out there. But when you're looking at how uh, elusive that guy has been through the season, and he was for, for parts of that game, if you're worried then about his mobility and you're, you know, concerned that he can't escape anymore and cover for some of the deficiencies of that O-line, which, you know, really got exposed as the, as the game went on, as Sean rightly says... Um, it did seem to impact the play calling. It did seem to make them even more conservative than they were already going. They didn't want to take any risks. And ultimately that that backfired because that does limit your creativity. It limits how much you can push the ball down the field. And and that's what we saw with the with the Bengals as much as that um, they were when they were running that kind of quick hit stuff, the Rams were all over it and the D-line was able to, you know, create pressure. But equally, um, when they went to the sort of shorter quick stuff, the, the linebackers and DBs were able to come up very quickly and sort of snuff that out. And I, I do wonder if they could have taken a few more risks there, um, but I, I think the injury might have factored into it. Like, there was some just genuinely bizarre stuff going on as well with that, though. Like, they didn't give it to Mixon on third down all game, pretty much. Yeah. Multiple third and fourth and shorts, and you're not using this guy. Um, you're not using your big back. Um, it, it, there was a lot of things that didn't make sense. So while I think the injury probably was a, a factor towards the end of the game, it doesn't sort of justify... I think you'd already seen the play calling go strange at that point and wasn't yeah. really working out for them. Yeah, no. So, like, well, I suppose we'll, we'll kind of we'll work through the game from start to finish. Then we'll kind of see what we said. So we 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 kick off. We have a surprisingly energetic looking Cincinnati defense for the fact that they don't have a huge amount of names on them. They were making big big plays from the get go. We saw the uh, yes, there was a first down it, but there was a terrible first series from the Rams. They end up with uh, a sack for a loss of seven yards. They end up then. You know, throwing a swing pass that goes for negative two or three yards and, and, and punting back to the Bengals. And then the Bengals, again, they go for it hard. They try for it on fourth down. They turn it over on downs. Now, as we said at the time, the correct call to make it in that spot, given where they were on the field and everything. And we were looking at this as possibly being a very defensive slumber knocker of a game at but, that point. And then it just started to break back open. But it ended up being kind of a, you know, a, a bad omen for the Bengals because they what we saw consistently in this game from that very first like turnover on downs is that when the Rams knew what you were going to do, when it became about controlling the trenches, like the Bengals yeah. just weren't there. Like the Bengals have, like as we'll see throughout like the throughout the rest of the game, they have such explosive elements that they can work around that. But just that mano a mano, you know, old school football, yeah. they were just blasted out of this game, and that's what ended up being really important. Key moments. Oh, like, obviously, this is you know, at this point everything was to play for, but it just ended up being something that. Kind of yeah. continue throughout the entire game. And like, bear in mind, like, when we're looking at, say, the previous games, when they played the Chiefs there two weeks ago, they were at times putting eight men on the line because their line was unable to try and protect them. And these guys were significantly more equipped defensive line they were able to push through. So the Rams get the ball back in their hands. They have a very impressive touchdown to OBJ. I think it was 50-ish yards. Uh, and the touchdown before, obviously, he then gets injured in the second quarter. And it, I think that does change massively the game script for them because you could see as soon as Obel Beckham went out that some of what they planned was just not there and they had to just look at Cup or look at, I don't know, invent a, create a Madden player here and that's who your fifth receiver is in the game. Um, yeah, and don't forget they were missing Tyler Higby before the game as well. So they're yeah. on their second, third string tight end. They're now down to their third wide receiver. So, yeah. Darren Henderson was pretty good for running back in the passing game, but it was like basically him and Cup were the only things happening for like the last like three quarters of this game. Because at that point, I was looking at getting quite worried for the Bengals because... 
they've been scored on. The kind of upstart, strong-looking performance in the defense seems to have kind of disappeared. Uh, both teams then have to punt to each other, and then we saw a very nice uh, chase touchdown over Ramsey uh, to bring them back into it—a forty-six-yarder, I think it was—and uh, it was it, it, it was beautiful. Even though we was under duress, Burrow was able to to get that out of there, and suddenly it felt like we had a game in our hands. And that was the thing: is like I think increasingly as we look through how this goes, we see an awful lot more attrition of the players and probably what the planned game for the for, for, for the Rams being as they progress because they do slightly fall into a bit of a stupor after this but yeah at, th- at that point that, like that was Chase was Chase was very good at times in this game but there like I said there, there was some lack of consistency in that offense if there was like very impressive big splash plays but like if I remember correctly, in this first quarter, we also had like two or three spots where, like, say that fourth and one that didn't work for them. That was a terrible, terrible read from Burrow initially on that. He had two open receivers who were looking over the shoulders, looking for balls with no one within five yards of him, and he tried to force it through double coverage into it. I think he was very much going, I know Chase, he's my man. I'm going to just try and force it to him regardless and wasn't progressing himself correctly through well, it. This is what I mean in terms of execution. The game became about the big players. And because the coaching was, they were both coaching quite conservative, conservatively because they weren't able to get the running game going either side really well. It became about the big players. It came about the big wide receivers, about the, the quarterback play. It became about the, the very star, cor- you know, the star cornerback or the star defenders doing their things. And, and the problem was that that created a, a kind of a, a bitty game where there were like lots of big splash plays that people will remember. And if you're in a say in a pub drunk at, at half one, you think it's probably quite exciting. But the actual game dynamic itself was a bit all over the place because there wasn't a kind of coherent identity coming from from either team. And the result that it, what we remember is stuff we remember stuff like Jalen Ramsey getting not just just not just the the team the Higgins seventy five yard. Um, questionable call but you know he got burned by Chase and you know I've talked a lot in this pod about the mistakes I thought they've made with Ramsey's preparation this season they've taken him away from what he's best at and now in the playoffs they've asked him to go back to and he's obviously not quite where he was at um, so it's it's the the plays were there and you know the, the, the Bengal secondary on the other side was having an awful night um, uh, unfortunately, Eli Apple is going to have to <laughs> live with his shit talking for for quite some time uh, uh, after chickens come home to roost. Because this is the thing we're we're, we're literally now moving in as we as we start into the second quarter. We see because if we said before this game, it's funny you say it, Sean, because I know that you've been banging this drum for quite some time. We were to say who's going to fuck up for the Bengals? Of course, it's going to be Eli Apple, and it was. Honest to God, one of the worst pieces of coverage I think I've seen in a game I, of this I, scale. I, I think it's important to, to kind of... I do want to say that I, I do like ragging on Eli Apple, and he has had a number of high-profile mistakes. But I think the problem is he, it's that when you get promoted to the level of your own incompetence thing, he would be a completely adequate cornerback if he was playing for, like, you know, a, 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 the Panthers or something, some, some sort of, like of random... You know, seven and ten kind of mid tier <laughs> team. It's only when he's been put on good teams with the Saints three years ago when they almost made the Super Bowl and, and the Bengals this year. Only when he's been put into big games against star players, he's become horribly exposed. And the the, the second quarter touchdown to, to Cup, um, which resulted from Apple being essentially caught between two zones, was this is his problem is he gets quarterbacks can pull him out of his can, can can kind of make him bite on plays that he shouldn't be biting on. He's too willing to to, to try and do the spectacular thing rather than doing the competent thing, and he ends up getting, ends up being what four or five yards away from from Cooper Cup. Now there's there's coaching challenges there. I don't think 
I don't know why Apple was being put on Cup. Uh, I mean, yeah. especially once you lose OBJ, you realize that they don't actually have an offense aside from Cup anymore. Why are you putting your weakest corner on that guy? Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. Because this is interesting because like I'm, I've only rewatched it once now, but like the structure of what they were doing defensively there was weird to me because Apple wasn't over the top of the receiver. There was another corner in there and he was sitting out in kind of a zone flat coverage to the side and then decided to just stand static there. In, like obviously he was biting on, there was a bit of kind of a play action possible sell of a running back move, but he just stood there. So they, so, so the cup ran free past his corner. Who's presumably covering like the, the inside left quarter or something. I'm, I'm guessing it was some kind of quarters, qu- quarters, deep coverage thing for the, for the long routes. And he just ran past him, and Eli Apple saw him running past him, and there wasn't a safety behind him. So who the fuck did yeah. he think was See, behind him to well, take that man who was is, running this, free? This is the weakness as well, is that the safeties, Bates and Hilton, are actually not all that great either, and you kind of need... The more the safeties... The, the weaker the safeties are, the better the corners have to be, basically. And the mm. problem is that when you put... Guys who aren't great. I mean, this is it's amazing the Bengals made the Super Bowl when you look at how weak their secondary actually has yeah. been this this season. The problem is you can't you can count for one guy maybe not being up to snuff, but when three guys probably aren't Super Bowl caliber, you're going to end up being burned to these kind of plays by 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 you know someone scheming into a situation where yeah. Eli Apple has to cover. Cooper. I know this is the last drive where they actually had the uh, had to deal with multiple weapons because I think it was it was. Not too far past this when because OBJ was involved in that drive and then he gets injured. I think in the following drive for them, uh, so this is the, like from that point onwards, it's inexcusable. At least here they can go. Okay, we're actually covering multiple guys. <laughs> Maybe that was what the decision making process. Whereas like from that point onwards, Apple was terrible and literally had this one guy you need to cover. Well, I think this is it, and I, I think I think it was Apple who got beat by Beckham for the big catch on that. It drive was, as yeah. Well. And I think there's this is probably a function of the way Cincinnati played. Like it's it's not that they had um, from my watching of the game, Apple specifically covering cup. Like mm. Apple has his assigned pit area, yeah. and that allowed the Rams to move cup around and line them up against Apple. And there was no, and I understand it can be difficult to change the way you sort of scheme your defense on the on the fly, particularly with that kind of positional stuff. But there needs to be some kind of adjustment, some kind of additional safety help, um, some kind of double coverage or additional moving to move him away from those situations rather than staying static in them. And that was the problem, was that they were able to pick on Apple consistently throughout the game and yeah. the coaching did nothing to help him. And while Apple is ultimately responsible for his own mistakes, like he was, there was no help from the play calling from the defensive design. Oh, yeah. Design and, to like, and, and, and like I said, like, they, 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 it's a huge thing on him, but there is a massive question of what, they were trying to scheme those safeties to be doing. What did they see that they were biting in completely in the other direction? Like, either he was meant to be covering that to a mid-depth zone or he was expecting there to be a safety behind and the safety wasn't there. But, like, yeah. it doesn't make sense but to me. But even a defensive call to zone, like, you know, usually if you have one obvious weapon, yeah. like Cup, then you probably revert to man-pressed. And, 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 and when the cornerback who started yeah. on top of him on the line... 
lets him drop into your area, you have to be fucking but shadowing he's, him. He's then, going like, towards the corner. It's your fucking responsibility. Yeah. Um, and that's well, and like if, yeah. if someone's going to beat you underneath, fine. Don't let Cooper Cup do because he's their best fucking player. Like, yeah. But but this is the problem with this Bengals secondary is they do have a Wuzier who who I have a lot of time for as as a corner, but he's not a kind of a shutdown man. Yeah. He's not the guy you put on your, well, your trouble this, guy. Well, he's the guy who could take care. This, of this is why I imagine that they use this type of scheming because what they're doing is. If you can just drill zone and you can have safety support, then it's not so much a man up on a person. It's, look, everyone has someone looking over their shoulder. And there just appear to be none of that support system in place. It is the only way that, like, you know, if you play Madden and you decide to sit and kind of cover four every time, you the only plus is you're going to give up some passes, but you've got the support over the back. And that was non-existent yeah. in this, like... Um, no, it's 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 because if you don't have that outstanding man, you have to play zone, and when you play zone, you end up relying on the lesser guys to actually do their job. And the problem is when you have someone like Apple or you have the, the safety that they do, inevitably going up against superstars like Cup, there there are going to be situations where he gets burned. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's just they just weren't good enough ultimately to, to mm. win the Super Bowl at that at that level. They were very good all everywhere else, but. Uh, the secondary just kind of got a little bit exposed by the fact that they didn't have that standout player who could take care of Cup and leave the the defense the rest of the defensive scheming towards some sort of kind of planned um, team approach. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But we'll do at the end of this. We'll probably have a very very quick look at just like these teams moving forward and what their kind of targets will be and who's who's leaving, who's staying, and what they'll look like next season. This then is followed by a very kind of well executed methodical drive by the Bengals they work all their way down uh, there's a nice uh, kind of trick play where they kind of pass it around and Mixon throws a touchdown which was uh, I, I'm, I'm presuming that someone out there made an awful lot of money on a bizarre <laughs> side bet on that one but yeah so uh, Mixon gets it uh, that also will then later set up like well, the thing is it was possibly in the game script beforehand but I like to think that them doing this trick play is what set up the terrible attempt at a trick play that the Rams did as a response later on. Uh, OBJ then gets injured on the following drive that kind of ends up with Stafford just throwing an absolute duck bomb into the wilderness that gets picked off that essentially functions as if it was a punt <laughs> for, for the team. Um, there was a chance for the, for the Bengals to score there. They had some timeouts, they had time, but it was essentially, look, Burrow got sacked. They have to end the half down three. It was a spot where the Bengals had started to look a little bit, you know, more exciting. Uh, they were down a little bit, but it felt like, you know, given how the first half had gone, they should nearly have been down a little bit more at that point. And there was a lot of hope coming into it. Like, do we think anything was changing massively at the half here? Or is this kind of a, you know... I suppose you can't game plan for trick plays. Like it was taking them going and well, scraping like, their their play calling book to kind of find these nice little bits that will throw off the defense. Like look, like the play, like the, the trick play. The trick play often worked because you set up it through the rest of the drive. But this this drive, the Bengals would be seeing an oasis of consistency. Yeah, you know, as we mentioned, it's the, the only game. time that they looked like, like they put together a consistent drive. They were constantly ahead of the sticks. They were getting they were running mixing well. He had a you know either solid runs or a couple that went for a first down or like straight away. And it just like it looked like okay maybe they figured something out here. But then we saw in the second half that that just never happened. Um, I don't know maybe the Rams adjusted or maybe they just didn't have the confidence. Like they were ahead obviously early in the third quarter talking moment, and they just decided to become much more and more conservative as the game went on. Whatever happened here, this this gave you a preview of what perhaps we should have seen. And yes, obviously it's capped by the fun uh, troll by T Higgins to Joe Mixon, and that, that's all great crack and Philly Philly and all that kind of crap. But uh, you know I think the important thing was that like this. If the Bengals were going to win this game, 
and they certainly had plenty of opportunities in the second half to do. This is yeah. what they needed to do, and they just never seemed able to get it because, like, you know, on any given drive, they all, they had shown the capacity to make like a forty yard, seventy yard bomb at any given time. But you need to have some level of solidity. That's the lesson that you know the other top teams in the AFC learned um, coming into this season, like the Chiefs and the Bills, and now. Like the, we'll talk about the future, but like that's where the Bengals need to go if they're going to make that step up and consistently be fighting at the top. And of the like we, we've danced around it a little we, bit, but like they've just they actively didn't use Mixon enough in this game because they do have a good run game and they do have the ability to start having that consistency. And like it's not like the Rams who are averaging like two yards of fucking run play. Mixon was good when he was used. He was only used in very specific scenarios. Yeah, sorry, I just think um, we'll, we'll come to this. I suppose after mm. we discuss the halftime show, the most important part of the game. Oh um, yeah. But it's interesting because it's not like when you know we say we're saying something changed at halftime. But if you look at it when we discussed it at the start of the third quarter, um, the first two drives of the first quarter, a third quarter went about as spectacularly well as they could have gone for the Bengals. And it was after that that everything started falling falling apart. And I think maybe the way those first couple of drives went masked the problems with what they were doing. Yeah. It didn't become immediately apparent until later in the game um, that whatever had changed at halftime from both teams favoured the, the Rams versus what the Bengals yeah. were doing. Which is funny because like, cause what, what we were saying beforehand is it like just and I, I will still stand by that regardless of how this thing went that like that the Rams and Sean McVay are very much known for having a plan to see through a plan and not adjusting and what I wonder is because like, I don't I didn't see any massive change from them and we'll come into the second half after the halftime discussion but like I don't think I saw a massive shift in what they were doing so much as I think the Realistically, their their performance in the first half was more controlling when you look back on it than it actually appeared to be, and then they were able to then just keep at that. Even though they then had like they the I think their stumbles that we'll discuss came from mistakes they made, like the interception and stuff, versus actually a huge shift in because I think they'd already identified the issues that the Bengals defense had that we were discussing. The only problem that they had in exploiting them was well, now we've got one receiver. How do we use one receiver to deal with the fact that they have fuck all of a but, secondary? But th- th- this was the problem, is that the game plan was built around OBJ being the second option, and when he went out, it took an incredibly long time for them actually to adjust yeah. to how do we actually make an offense work without having the second option. Yeah. Um, whatever the, I can't even remember the name of the receiver, Skronek or something. Whoever, Skronek, yeah. Yeah, he was, had a very poor game, and he just wasn't up, up yeah. to it. And it was only right at the end, five minutes to go in the fourth, that they finally went, okay, now we know we just just give the ball to yeah. go all the time is the only way that we're going to win this game. But I would also say that you know the, the receiving game wasn't helped by the fact that Sean McVay seemed to get incredibly conservative. Oh, for crazy play calls. After OBJ went out, everything mm-hmm. after that, he seemed to be running on first time. Despite the fact that they could not get any run, like that defensive line, DJ Reader and Trey Hendrickson, they were destroying the run game. I think they averaged under two yards of carry in this game. Which is, which is and very so if you put your if you put your offense in second, third, and long situations, and you only have Cooper Cup, then even the Bengals with their I assume they, they were able to adjust to go. Okay, if we stop Cup, then we can get away with this. And except for one like field goal drive that basically worked until, as you say, the very end of the game. Um, so I don't know why they were like. They were behind, so I'm not really sure why the Rams kept running the ball. To be honest. I, I, sorry, it's, it's an interesting point to make as well because this is a Bengals defense that yes, it has issues in the secondary, but has actually overall 
been you know kind of mid tier and how they were acting those things. They have been terrible against the run, and you can see that they made a point of they wanted to invite the Rams to run, and they wanted the game plan to try and just go right. We're gonna fucking knock you around once you do that. And they they literally got that for most of what happens afterwards of just Sean McVay conservatively play calling a load of runs for one one and a half yards each time. But okay, so we get to the end of this. We get a big sack on Burrow. We get to the halftime show. Let's discuss the halftime show. Uh, 12 minutes and six artists is a terrible idea. <laughs> now, to be fair, to be fair, 14. <laughs> <laughs> oh, two and a half minutes each. Like, uh, uh, it was, yeah, it, yeah. it was a bit rushed. Especially when you only give Kendrick, like, yeah. less than he's allocated, would be allocated. The, uh, my, 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 my biggest issue minutes. is the amount of time they gave 50 Cent versus the amount of time yeah. they gave Kendrick Lamar, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, also, shout out to all of those great white dudes who run Bleacher Report and have never seen the In The Club video and are surprised. Why do you have 50 Cent upside down? What is this? There are a lot of, lot of, lot of very angry white dudes. The older conservatives in America described it as a sexual anarchy and racist. They do it. They do that every year. But, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's a good move. Now this year they've angered the the you know the, the the white conservative males because last year or sorry two years ago they pissed off all of the uh, the conservative Christian mothers by Jennifer Lopez just being a fucking ride swinging around <laughs> on a stripper pole and they said this is unacceptable. But somehow they loved seeing Adam Levine with his shirt off for fifteen minutes. He's a good Christian boy, yeah. Um, he has tattoos. It was, it was fun though. I did. I did hate the staging. Uh, I will say, like, mm. it was. I, I was clever. I was, I was, was going to say that really the staging is a huge issue. It would have worked like at a concert venue that isn't like you know yeah. at one end of the thing. It was weird being like you know three quarters of the people in the stadium can't really see what's happening at the yeah. moment. That was kind of strange. It, it, it was. It was definitely designed to be played to the television audience and not the people in the in the venue. Like, okay, we've given all of the things about it, but undoubtedly. Fucking loved it. 14 minutes of bangers. <laughs> Absolutely like, yeah, loved it. Bang after bang. It's like, like the yeah. staging's bad. Like there's something staging and like the audio where we were wasn't great. But when the songs are that good, at a certain point it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and I, I, I think it's like, they're, 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 like if I was to criticise anything, it would probably be like there's one or two songs I would have liked to have heard. But seeing that they were playing to a television audience and they had to do the clean version of everything, I realised on reflection that some of the songs I wanted to hear I would have heard about 20% of because the words <laughs> are not allowed to be said at the same time. I think the comrade um, of the conservative Americans would have been if they'd done that. So, so how, how crisp did we find Snoop Dogg's Rams outfit <laughs> and the fact that he shouted out the Rams mid-song? Am I right in thinking that the, the Bloods and the Crips, one of them wears blue and... and one of them wears blue, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's a, I, as you imagine, the Bloods wear red and the Crips <laughs> wear blue. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, no neutrality there from good old Snoop Dogg. Yeah. yeah. What, what I find interesting was he was wearing all blue because he always said he only just kept it hanging out the left side. Because, uh, yeah, that's the crypt side. But, uh, no. Like, the, the thing about censoring, it, it makes sense because, like, the two people who got, like, to actually do an un, uninterrupted kind of one was, like, Eminem with Lose Yourself, which is obviously a radio. Yeah, yeah. Mostly Set radio forward, friendly. Yeah. Uh, and then Mary J. Blige, uh, yeah. she had a pretty. Who, who I must say, yeah. absolutely knocked it out of the park, particularly with the second, uh, the second song on her on, on our mix. Because I was like, I was wondering how they're going to work her into it, and I was wondering if like, is she going to be kind of doing something in one of the other people's songs? Uh, the, only, the only thing that was confusing for me was like the the hard cut to her, because normally if you're doing that, it's like because there's a costume change happening with someone else or a yeah. stage moving thing, whereas it was just like. 
nah man just just Dre takes about 45 seconds to get down the steps in that fake house that he's playing in watching him like gingerly put himself yeah. down the piano you really did you're like he's not a young man anymore no. like. was he actually playing that piano no no it's a super, no. No, none of it you don't even but, but he, was, he did have the right hand positions on it I just I'm sure he was he was yeah. probably doing like I'm playing a lot to someone else playing it, yeah. the piano but all that you know so the risk yeah. of something going wrong all that stuff's already in the oh, can oh god like, yeah, yeah. If it, yeah well it's, 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 it's like seeing the Rolling Stones he's the Rolling Stones play they're all out and they're having the crack there are two musicians for every Rolling Stone playing in the back of band <laughs> actually playing the instruments like Keith Richards is not pulling off the solos there's a guy who's about 45 years younger and significantly less wizened doing it while he pretends to do it out the front um, but yeah no it was I would have I would have liked more Kendrick I would have liked more Kendrick uh, I liked the little kind of fold in of he he did a section of his own interpretation of a section of forgot about Trey before they kicked back up to, yeah. to the guy like, which would be great if he'd had like more than 20 seconds of his own yeah <laughs> <laughs> also were we not were we not told that he was going to perform an entirely new song no like there was rumours because he they're expecting a, he's expecting an album drop this week this no. year, so I thought, I, thought, I, thought his, I thought his promo guy that. said that they were going to drop yeah. it on the Super Bowl they probably still had a little time they, they might have dropped it yeah. they, they may have dropped it out or something yeah. yesterday whatever but, uh, or, or maybe it's yeah. a big conceptual song and there's not like a 15 second <laughs> hook you can just hit like, like one of the best like like Cameos within a thing was like Beyonce with the formation thing, like yeah, and the Coldplay thing, which basically blew Coldplay out yeah. of the fucking water. But like that was like here's like a completely different Beyonce type of uh, style, whatever like that, and that kind of blew up instantly mm. because of the Super Bowl. So it's kind of it did feel like a little like not just because he wasn't used enough, but also that we getting kind of we got like a little bit of humble, and then we got the, the forgot about Dre bit, and yeah, look. Well, look, Kendrick Lamar, he's a young man. I'm sure he'll be back at some point. Oh, 100%. I think this might be a setup for them to then come back and do uh, him as the lead performer on a, on a future show. Particularly as I imagine with the new stadium there, and I think it worked very well for NFL because obviously their, their headquarters are yeah, attached to that there. stadium as well. Like they, they own two building blocks in there and they work from beside it. I think they were pretty happy with... You know, even just simple things like it was probably incredibly cheaper for the NFL to have people covering the game beside where they live rather than <laughs> flying everyone and putting everyone up in hotels. Um, but yeah, and also I'm sure that made Cronky very happy. Um, but yeah, no, overall, overall, I thought very, very, very good performance. I would have liked them to have not had to be quite so, you know, PG-13 on the, yeah. the, the whole thing. But As- no, no hologram two pack. Yeah, we really. So I was expecting a bit of hologram two pack when they started going California Love, like. But yeah, I, I think we cycled through too many ideas before. We did, to be fair. We had we, we, we had an awful lot of pre-game halftime show discussion, to be fair. Um, but no, it was good. Uh, now I will say, if we want to look at ill portents and how things might flag where things are going to go. Uh, McFearless, the superstar rookie kicker of the Bengals, did exactly what I would be doing in that spot. He did not go to the locker room for halftime at all. He stood outside, stood on the benches on the side, and watched the entire performance. Yeah, to be fair, what's he going to get on the like, the kicker? What's he going to get on halftime? You kick better. Evan, kick. Yes, boss. I have three power words for you. This will extend your kicking range by six. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it was. It, it, they they come out and as I, I think we flagged it there a little bit. We kick into the second half. We saw basically what Cincinnati would like to happen, and it again not 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 the consistency it was a lot more splashy stuff, but it was 
exactly what you wanted to see coming out of it. Opens with a flurry of their kind of just offensive actions. Higgins scores a 75 yarder on the first play of the second half, destroying Ramsey and maybe touching his face mask a little bit. So, yeah. yeah, it was a foul. Yeah, um, but Ramsey also was not defending that well in the first place. No, no, so, no. and then once I completely found, gave up, yeah. gave up once he once his face mask was touched. Like that's it, I'm out. That's that's a foul. I'm out. No, definitely penalty. It was it was it was a beautiful beautiful opening for Cincinnati. They were starting pushing away ahead. Let's follow up by Stafford throwing an interception, uh, throwing again as we said to the third string wide receiver, uh, who we're gonna, I think yeah. it's. I think it's much more fun if we just constantly make up new names because we don't know. In my head, it's he's Skrillex, but I know he's not. Skrillex. No, 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 he's, he's, he's the Socratic, you know. It's a Scrotox. This is anti-Polish discrimination. Um, Scrotox. It's like, Botox like, for your scrotox. To be completely fair, like that was not Stafford's fault. The receiver just completely yeah. made up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spooned it to a defender. Um, but yeah, it was a yeah. nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare of an interception. It's not what they wanted at that point. And the one is thing there is, point at which you do want that. There, there can be look, you, you, the, the, the punt interception like the can punt be interception a useful tool. Yeah, yeah, like take enough. a shot at it and get your forty yard. Um, the yeah, so the, the problem is we now see them fall into the problem that they've had in their last couple of games, where they go all the way to the red zone, they settle for a field goal following a bad sack, where realistically it shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Like, this this is the problem. The second half for the Bengals is their O line suddenly realizes that it's shit, <laughs> and the Rams defense suddenly realizes. Didn't realize I this sheer shit. force of imagination. <laughs> God damn it! Why have you broken my? And the Bengals very hard to get anything done when your when your O line is collapsing around you every time you get the ball. Like I think it's like you know that field goal drive that they had after the interception was probably their second best drive, and that ended up with like the nine yard sack to, to kill it off. And I just kind of yeah, it just. It was very indicative of what they just kind of felt like. You know, it wasn't a bad drive. It was fine. Like, they got the points yeah, off. Yeah, like the they, they, they burned four and a half minutes off the clock. Yeah. They, they were methodical enough on it, like, while still kind of boom, 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 up and down. On yeah. the, uh, and it, it's kind of, yeah. It, I'm more annoyed now because I know what's going to come after, like, this, <laughs> this, these two field goals. Like, like, this isn't great football, but it's still tense. There's still, like, some stuff happening. And then, yeah, we're going to, yeah, just, I don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah, like like this is like you even you even look at that. So like this is this is the series of plays on that on on that score. So it goes pass to Mixon for nothing, uh, sack for minus one yards, and then to chase for 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 for, for the first down. Great, or sorry, no fourth and one, and then they convert the fourth and one on a on a scramble that was kind of nice. Then first and ten, <laughs> Mixon for two yards, shotgun pass for five yards, massive nine yard sack. And I guess we're settling for a field goal. And that kind of paints the picture of the height of what the Cincinnati offense almost hits from that point onwards. It was uh, it was not the best at all. Um, Rams respond pretty well with a solid drive. They end up with a field goal as well, but it was it, it was a much more structured end point of a field goal rather than 10 yards, nothing, nothing, sack kind of until, settling. Until they went for the... the Trick play and that kind of killed the. Yeah, that was that was, that was a bit drive. of a weird one. So, like, do we think do we think that was just in the arsenal they were planning to do it, or do we think it was a uh, fuck it? They did one. I'm going to do one as well. 
And there is also that element of we're talking about Zach Taylor was like an assistant to McVeigh, and it's like, well, if you're going to get one on me, I'm going to show you how we do it, and it didn't work for him. But I, I do think sometimes like these these guys can be a little bit petty. Sometimes I think that can come into it of like. Like obviously he, he presumed it would work, but I think he, <laughs> I, I, I think they do very much want to get the opportunity to do that if someone does it to them. Like, to, to be completely fair, it actually should have worked. It was just a horrendous pass. It like, was an awful like, pass. The, the, the design actually. It, it turns out that there is only so much the cook could do. <laughs> like I will I, I will say it does now degrade the offensive player of the. <laughs> award in my head because he can clearly only play some of the offense like, that, that, I can't believe they gave MVP to a guy who had a passer rating of 0.2 <laughs> <laughs> like based on what we've seen also, what did he get the point yeah, 2 for it's like it's like should it not be zero? yeah I, I guess getting beyond the line of scrimmage he said earlier yeah. Eric, must be so, so he, he, he didn't fumble it I mean, that could easily be the play that was drawn up for OBJ because he's obviously had a bit more success yeah but look I suppose it's cop he's our here's our boy and give him a chance but yeah like Stafford yeah, you can like he's, he's obviously got he can do a scramble when he needs to, but kind of having to jump did not look natural in that position. Not at all. <laughs> so we so so we so Cooper Cup ever played quarterback now. So we, we we're, we're now sitting right we're now we're now sitting with the Rams down by four. It's sixteen to twenty, and we enter the absolute dead zone of the game. So we have seven or eight seven. straight punts here. Yeah, like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to read you off this because it's it's. It's incredibly equal as well, right? So we have the Bengals, three plays, minus three yards, and a punt for a minute and a half off the clock. <laughs> the Rams, three plays for minus three yards, a minute and 40 off the clock. Bengals, three plays for five yards, two minutes off the clock. The Rams, three plays for three yards, a minute and a half off the clock. And then it's going to then we got a five play minus two yards. We got a three play six yard drive. And then the best of the lot, a uh, seven play twenty four yard punt. And we've now eaten about seventeen minutes of game time for I think a net of eleven yards of offense. <laughs> yeah, like look, this is not a hard part of the game to summarize. Bengals on offense, Joe Burr getting sacked yeah. off yeah. by Aaron Donald. Uh, you know they had a lot of sacks in this game, and most of them came during this period. It's it's slightly more complex with the Rams. Not really though. They ran very very badly, and Stafford got sacked a few times, and they just weren't getting the passes because I assume at this point that the Bengals had figured out to, to cover Cooper Cup or yeah. bracket him or whatever like that. Like the, the the only thing that surprised me is given the sacks that everyone's taking that they end up at relatively neutral yardage pretty much consistently. So everything here is like every three play drive involves like a nine yard sack and an eight yard pickup. <laughs> like it's pretty much just like. No one wanted to try anything at this point. Uh, there was yeah. one or there was one or two like moonshots that were attempted, but like there was no consistent play calling. There was no idea of how to separate receivers. There was no real concept of well, for, on the Rams' behalf, how to get the running game going. On the Bengals' behalf, the possibility of just giving it to the running this, back. This is where the psychology starts to come into it, I think, because you've got on one side you've got. Zach Taylor, who looked absolutely stunned that he was winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> he did not want to fuck it up at all by doing anything that might get in the way of his team winning. And on the other side, you've got Sean McVay, who's had a trauma of three points in a Super Bowl, <laughs> realizing that he just, just you know, not a notorious risk taker anyway, just playing super conservative, hoping that eventually his big players will make things going. Uh, and the, the result of that was, yeah, seven drives of seven points and seven yards. Like, it's... Uh, yeah, this this was where this is though this is where the 
the Rams' defensive pressure really big. This was when the Bengals suddenly just ran out of op- offensive options. Um, when they just couldn't get anything going. And it took them until they went behind before they finally realized, just get the ball out of Burrow's hands as quickly as possible. And they put it for this period. They just didn't figure that bit out and then ended up with... I think there was one sequence where there was like three sacks in the space of five plays. Yeah. And they almost sacked him right back into the end zone from like uh, at one point. So it was just like, yeah, this is... Uh, this was, this is when the Bengals, the game plan and the, the execution started to fall to bits. Yeah, and like on the final, like the penultimate drive for the Bengals, like they got, like they did the quick stuff, the quick out, but like, like the Rams caught on pretty quickly and they were like getting guys like mixing behind the line as well. So, yeah, like it's tough to kind of give a solution to the Bengals, just given how dominant that defensive line was in the game. That some, like, you know, it's just at some point it's very, very difficult to do things. And even for Joe Burrow, who's obviously, you know, there's probably maybe. There's probably no better quarterback that you yeah. have in that situation. It's just sometimes it's not happening. And, and also, just as, as we flagged earlier, this is the point where Burrow, on one of those sacks in that, in that period you were discussing, came off with what looked like a very damaging injury to his uh, to his knee. Not the knee that he had the surgery on, it's the other knee, but uh, but like I think they that, like that's why they started trying this quick movement, like in a quick ball out of the hand stuff, just out of fear of we don't want to get him ruined. Um, and like it, you saw, you saw it actually working a little bit. Like so, that penultimate drive. I'll just, I'll just give you what the, what the, what the, what the play sheet was for it. So we had Mixon ran up the middle for twelve yards and got a first down. Excellent. Out of shotgun, Mixon runs off the left side for eight yards. Gets a nice big gainer. Gets nothing on the, uh, on, on, on the next play. And then they do a short pass to, to get the first down to, um, to Jones. I think it is. And then we have like. Short pass to Mixon, like I said, get the ball out of the hand for minus three yards because they now know exactly what they're like. There's no even need to cover Chase anymore because they're not allowing root development to happen. So we've got minus three yards on a pass to the outside. We've got a Mixon run for four yards to kind of have them in nine and then just an incomplete, really short ball to Boyd and they have to punt it away because they're not in the spot where they can let anything develop anymore because they're just terrified of something happening to Burrow. Yeah. But it just begs the question of why they weren't like running mixing sooner. Like, mm. Why were they letting letting Burrow get sacked as much? But like, look, I I understand it. Like, you know, Burrow's obviously a guy you know put in your best hands player and all that. But uh, you know, in this case, it's fine. Like, I I I, I can at least forgive the Bengals because there are obvious reasons why they were doing the things where where yeah, the Rams' yeah. inexplicable shitness yeah. for that entire period of time is just it just felt a damning indictment of Sean McVay's like just his yeah. conservative tendencies and his I don't know ever since he lost I think World of Bill Belichick they're seeing. There's something changing, I think, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. He he no he no longer has his like shirtless pool party yeah. son television. <laughs> like the light went out of his eyes and now he's only a relentless winning machine. Yeah, I didn't know? see I didn't see the hold me back guy at any point during the Super Bowl, so I guess he's moved past that. Yeah, I, you, you mentioned that in the bar and I was like, Yeah, we haven't seen him. Uh, but that, I suppose he's like, I'm just not gonna get that angry. He's very much he's got that kind of that small man tendency of like he wants to try and angry fight people but only when he makes sure that someone's there to make sure that he doesn't end up actually <laughs> fighting them and that's I imagine why they hired that man <laughs> but um, oh, that's a prelude to the, the actual drive that matters well no no. so here's the thing right this is a combination of two elements here this is the drive that matters this is the drive that wins the game for the Rams it is also inexplicably the stupidest fucking set of play calling I have seen in a Super Bowl in a long-ass fucking time. I'm glad you qualified that, because I was about to say, really? The Atlanta Falcons, really? <laughs> no, no, but as, but as in, like, no, the Atlanta Falcons was not just a drive call, that was a fucking half of calls. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, this this was, this was, 
slow methodical good and then down towards the go line it just goes insane okay so what is there anything you guys want to talk specifically about the drive down towards the goal line, or do you want to just jump into the fucking night? Well, yeah, no, I mean, the, the, good. The, yeah, the, <laughs> focus, the focus on Cup, I think it was four mm. passes. It was just like they they were getting him. He was doing that Gronk thing that Gronk did in the the Pats Rams yeah. to bow. He was being the go-to guy who was getting the passes where necessary. He was stepping up, which is what the good players need to do, and he, he did uh, he did it, and he got them down the field. And then then the refs kind of started to decide the Rams maybe should win this one. Uh, they hadn't called anything all day. They were letting the they letting defenders get away with everything, and then they went. Well, actually, that is a foul. That is a penalty. That is also a penalty. Uh, that is can be interpreted as a penalty. Uh, and yeah, suddenly the Rams were on the goal line uh, with a whole bunch of time, and Sean McVay didn't know what to do. With it. Yeah, this is this is a this is a fifteen play, seventy nine yard drive that took almost five minutes off the clock. And of those 79 yards, just shy of 50 of them were entirely Cooper Cup. It was just, we now know this is the one guy to go to. And as you said, they were still running this soft bullshit zone thing. And they were quite easily just figured out, okay, we can just run in these little creases because these guys are not good at kind of peripheral awareness. And they were able to find their way down there. Right. They were playing for a Rams mistake rather than playing to, to beat the Rams, basically. That yeah. They're like, look, if we make them go the whole way down the field, um, A, we think that Joe Burrow will have some time left uh, in the worst case scenario, but we also think that, you know, Stafford's run a couple of picks, maybe we can get something mm-hmm. that way. But, but, but there's also, there's very, there's very definitely an element of they saw the space that they had and they went for it because I think the last four plays or so of this drive... Uh, until they get into the red zone, are all no huddle. They liked the personnel that they had versus the personnel that was was on the defense. And they were like, we're not allowing changes. We're fucking doing this. If they want to burn a timeout, burn a timeout. And that's the fucking only time they considered timeouts and fucking timing at all in this drive. Because as soon as we get down there, it's ridiculous. I remember, I think it was yourself, Harry, in the pub, who just shouted at the television going... Why would you run a play before the two-minute warning here? This, this is where it went, started going wrong. Like it was, it was like okay, you can take this down to the two-minute warning. You're going to be at the, I think it would have been at the sixteen, the second and two. Sixteen, yeah. Take your time. You can take a little bit longer off the clock. Work this out. And instead, they, you know, they successfully convert the first down. Fair enough. But this is where then they hit the two-minute warning and they decide, ooh, running the clock. Uh, like he just transforms into bad Andy Reid, and like it just consistently calls pass plays. So, 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 just to make sure everyone's aware, I'm kind of so they're down by four at this point. So even scoring a touchdown and converting it will leave it as a field goal game to tie. So it's very much a spot of if you're if you're going to score a field goal, if you're going to score a touchdown, you only no time on the clock because they can't be able to get back up to tie this up. That is that is your concern here, and they just throw that concern out of the window and they start going wild and decide that now when they need to run down the clock and force the Bengals to use, who at the time still had three of their timeouts, instead of forcing them to burn timeouts, instead of running down the clock, let's start running. And let me just see if I'm right on this. One, two, three, four, five of the six plays that are about to happen are out of shotgun and are all passes. And all passes into the end zone where they're either caught and the clock stops or it's incomplete in the clock. And, and they actually end up... The fuck? Like, <laughs> the, 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 the end of their time management ends up being made better because they got a touchdown nullified. Like, no. like, it's... So he, he passes incomplete to Van Jefferson. Uh, burns, fuck it, four seconds. Well done. Off the clock. Passes incomplete to Henderson. 
burns another four seconds off the clock. And then incomplete pass to Cup up the middle, and that's where the penalty hits here on a defensive holding call, I think it was, but it was just, yeah, like, this is this is nightmare fuel. This is... I think that was the hold that wasn't a hold. Yeah. There was one goal line hold that was like, ah, no, that's... Yeah. That's the softest hold. No, because, yeah, no, because that's the one that wasn't a hold, because the, fo- the, 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 the following one was the nullified, uh, yeah, nullified yeah. touchdown, which was just a stupid, unnecessary roughness show of bullshit from, as you said... The psychology of this worn down, tired, pissed off defense, it's not getting anything happening, and you can see it happening in front of you. Um, but what, like, let, let, let's try and play a round table devil's advocate here. What possibly could be the rationale for these play calls in this situation? Well, you can see the argument is our run game hasn't working. Hasn't been working. We have to score. That we got momentum with the passes. We're we're making progress. I it was it was the whole McVeigh thing is just don't take any risks. He said this is working. Why change it now? Why try and why try and mess with the clock? Let's just score. Let's just score, and then our defense can deal with it. I think was the, was the was the was the psychology behind. And fair, the defense have been dealing pretty well so far. Uh, the only thing is that the guys were able to move enough to probably do their field goal thing again. But yeah, I, like I I can see that element, but just. Particularly given that everything is being an end zone shot, and realistically, we know at this point the end zone, the end zone shot that's going to work is going to be the end zone shot to Cooper Cup. It's not like it's going to fucking anyone else at this point. Why not run some of the clock or force? Like they, 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 they do they do force one timeout to be used um, for the first and goal. So we, we 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 have three straight penalties essentially happening yeah. here, which bails them out of just. God awful play calling in my head. I I, I give it to Misha. There is, there's some element of if you're super risk averse, this is the this is the track to go. But like, you are less than two minutes left in a Super Bowl in a spot where you actually have it entirely within your own control to fucking do it. And he's like, Nah, man, that sounds too risky for me, and just avoids it. I was getting flashbacks to well a little bit of the Chiefs Bengals game. Where they had the seven plays on the goal line and ran it down from two minutes to zero, uh, but the big one I think it was because there was three penalties in a row. Uh, if you remember the game from was it three years ago, uh, Chiefs Raiders, where oh, the Raiders got infinite untimed fucking downs. four untimed downs due to at least one of them was definitely right, but there was at least two complete ghost penalties in it. And you're like, what is this? Like, because this. It didn't make for a good visual spectacle. It didn't make it a en- more enjoyable game. It was just a messy lump of crap. And like we said, one of these was definitely not a penalty. One of them definitely was, and it was kind of, you know, angry aggression. And then there was, you know, can we, can we guess who caused the third penalty? <laughs> can, can we take a stab in the dark? We maybe have discussed how shitty he's been the entire time. Eli Apple gets TPI and brings them all the way back down to first in goal at the one. Now, this is where, again, I don't fully get it. You're first in goal at the one. They have two timeouts left. Like, your run game's been shit, but your run game's been getting a yard and a half a pop. They fucking pass it again. Well, no, they did a, they did a QB sneak, and yeah. then that failed miserably. Yeah, and that was where the first timeout was used. But then, instead of doing anything to continue that, they just go, ah, well, yeah. I guess we'll just pass it again. It's like, you could have caused another timeout. Because this is the thing, like, in theory, particularly given 
what we've seen from this Bengals team beforehand. This is not a team that you want to have a minute and a half on the clock and two timeouts when all they need to do is get into about 40 yards for McPherson to be able to take a pump because he's been pretty much excellent in everything he's been doing so far. And then, then it happens. <laughs> the poor fucking Bengals. Uh, so, Burrow, short pass for 17 yards. Uh, well, short pass and a lot of yak. Nine-yard pass, incomplete deep. Run off the right side for no gain. Another timeout taken. And then we have fourth and one. Joe Burrow trying to complete a pass. I think that Sam J. P. Ryan and there's Donald all the way up in the face. You you said I think you were saying beforehand the pre the so taking, the third and one uh, is the third and one is your P. Ryan, big one, yeah. yeah. Uh, stopping P. Ryan while, so game, while yeah. in the middle of another tackle, and then fourth and one is, is him just just deciding to get to Burrow to end the game, and he does. Yeah. Um, and he still almost made the pass to. to he really did, defense. and it was it was a it was good, decent shot. Decent, yeah. decent yeah. but like yeah. at least trying. It wasn't like Jimmy G like in the <laughs> turtle NFC turtle. championships, like. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, he was aware of where the player was supposed to be. It's like okay, get close to him. Considering the circumstances, where and Donald basically slicing right through the line, that's probably as good as you could expect. because yeah. also like they were so close to the element of where they wanted to be as well. Because like they they managed to progress it much worse than they had in every drive. For the last six drives of theirs, they managed to actually move it more than 30 yards. They were at the Rams 49. They probably needed about 10 to give a shot at a chance of it. And then that shut it down. And Donald makes, like you said, two huge plays. This is, as you said, your superstar player is making the plays to decide the game. Uh, and he does it. And it's done. It's the end of the game. It's wrapped up. Uh, I will say from what was a very exciting first half of a game, I thought most of the fucking wind was out of it by the end yeah, of it. It didn't even it didn't even feel like a Super Bowl spectacle game by the end of it for me. It was completely wasted potential. Like we've seen games like this in the first half which have been interesting, tense, and then they they've like they've got better over this, but this felt like two coaches uh, noping out, trying not to lose and considering, you know, the offensive talent they have, considering their reputation as, like, young, offensive, like, gee, well, Sean McVay certainly genius, like, Zach Taylor, right? he friends with Sean McVay. Um, <laughs> it, it was just incredibly, yeah, very underwhelming, very disappointing. I think this could have been a great Super Bowl, but instead we got a, you know, an interesting one, but not, not yeah, something that, for, that underwhelmed, basically. For a tight game where no team was more than seven points ahead at any point that went down to, you know, the final 40 seconds... Surprisingly underwhelming for a game that on paper, if you were shown this game on paper and like this is going to be Super Bowl, it's like this is going to be a pretty epic oh, game. Yeah. It was, it was very disappointing. It was that thing of like it was just there was so much entertainment and there was just this huge dead zone in most of the third quarter and the chunk of the fourth quarter where just nothing happened at all. And for how explosive we'd seen stuff both offensively and defensively, like it wasn't even that like. It wasn't that defense were making crazy yeah, plays to shut it down. It this, was just it wasn't the Broncos versus like Panthers Super Bowl where the like the Broncos defense was legitimate or like the Seahawks versus the the Broncos. Sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Seahawks, all these brought like either Broncos are very really good. Yeah, but like you know, there's there's certain games where the defense is truly elite, and you're like, okay, this isn't making the most fun game, but like, at least I can appreciate that this defense is truly yeah, yeah. destructive. Whereas in this game, like, look, the the Rams defensive line is a great defensive line. But it's as much about the fact that they were playing a, a mediocre to poor unit than that they were great, basically. Like, Aaron Donald's amazing, but he was playing against, like, 
Prince, who is one of the worst guards in the league. So it's kind of like, all right, well, yeah, <laughs> probably going to happen eventually. So, uh, is there any, any any final thoughts on the game, or will we kind of? Decide? I would have given the MVP to Aaron Donald, but I can see the Cooper Cup. Uh, I can I can see that that makes sense to me. Yeah, racism. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he did the thing. He did. Win I know. The game I know. But Donald also did the thing. Yeah. Well, he didn't get the stat in the sheets or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, 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 do, we'll do a quick quick dive because you know as teams are knocked out, we said where they were going to be. Uh, the Rams are an interesting spot. They are over the cap. They have an awful lot of big guys. Um, they're kind of they're, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to lose a couple of players here. Um, there's obviously Whitworth is a strong chance of being uh, over tiring. I think we're all relatively certain that's probably on the cards. Like to go out on top. Um, Donald, you were talking a lot about this. Yeah, Donald's been making noise about he's, he's hinted that he may retire. What it, that the winning the ring was the last thing he wanted to do. I think it's more about I've done everything that needs to be done. I've, I've made all the points I want to make, and now I'm I'm finished. It's that ending on a high thing, with which NFL stars are actually quite bad at doing. Um, but yeah, there. Are, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's left. I also wouldn't be surprised if he if he, they convince him into another year. The problem will be what the Rams look like next year. Yeah, what pieces they retain. Is it actually going to be worth their while? Um, to because you said that there's dead cap space anyway, so they actually make no difference to the Rams if Donald stays or goals basically. So, 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 Donald has an awful lot of guaranteed money in his contract. So, if so, his cap hits like 27 million or so this year. Uh, if he retires, it's 21 million of dead cap because it's just guarantees in it. But if he retires, I'm trying to remember if it changed massively in the recent CBA, but I think it's, it's either amortized over two or they might have the ability to amortize over three years. So it depends can, on the date they retire. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a pre-June 1st, post-June 1st yeah. designation or whatever. But yeah, so there's, there's an ability that that could end up being seven million of dead cap. So actually it'll be kind of essentially saving 20 million. Uh, Whitworth is like, he's... He's a, he's an easy cap loss. He's he, talent wise, he's a huge loss for the team. But like he saves them, I think nearly nearly seventeen million if he's not playing next year. So they can cut him for like they'd only have to owe him about one and a half million yeah. versus the right, yeah. I think they're about ten million of the cap. Is what they, they are, are yeah. so that there is a little bit of maneuver they have to do. Yeah. Now, the thing, um, thing is, they've also they've, they've got a lot of pieces that they're using that they'll need to figure out. So things like OBJ was essentially a trade rental. Mm. He's out of contract. So do you want to bring him back? You can see that he was meant to be much more focused in their game. Yeah, I think if Robert Woods is healthy next year, they won't, they won't bring OBJ back. Um, I mean, the other Rams problem the Rams have is they have no draft picks for for the next millennium. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it worked. I suppose it worked. They leveraged they sold their Super Bowl. So they sold out to win and they yeah. sold out to win and they won. Like, the thing is, it's it, 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 it's hilarious. Just like the kind of the two sides of the coin of like the the Bengals are the exact opposite of this. They are an incredibly cheap roster. And look, we always kind of we always joked about how it's a Paul Brown the owner that like they don't like spending money. They're very adverse to doing anything. Um, they've now gotten to a Super Bowl. They've now got a superstar quarterback. There's now more money going to be coming into mm-hmm. the area. They already have fifty five million in space. And the and only a ton of ton of dead wood in the in the free agency as well. Yeah, and like this is the thing, like the like of, of of the people they're losing, none of them are massively expensive. They want to retain them, but like you know, the, like the biggest one would probably be like Riley Reef that have tackle, but he's you know, let's be honest, not part of an O line that you necessarily yeah. want to be. That entire O line yeah. needs to be replaced. Like Joey's going. I think he's done some nice things for them over the year. I think they'll probably want to hold him to Azuma as well. Yeah, Azuma's there, and like, but the thing is, like, Azuma is that interesting of like he's not, 
He's not quite the top. He's nowhere near the kind of top end of that tight end market. So I imagine it'd be probably enough, yeah. probably like six million a year will keep him. And like they've got space and they've got draft picks. And I, I imagine what we'll see here is a huge overhaul of the offensive line and hoping to kind of yeah. push into next year because they they've got the offensive weapons. Everyone on those offensive weapons are young. Their only concern is probably that I think it'll now be the fourth year of Joe Mixon's contract. Um, I think he's I think he's there three years at this point um, but he, he, either way he's coming close on the point where they'll have to decide are they going to extend him and we know in the NFL at the moment there's an awful lot of lack of wanting to extend running backs so you know they might be looking for a replacement there but I, I'd imagine we're just going to see like O-line and secondary that's going to be their yeah. targets in the draft yeah. it's going to be their targets in free agency so yeah so the, so the secondary is they, they're Apple and Trey Flowers who's the backup are both going to free agency and good riddance to them mm. so they have basically and a they, spot they, Bates is free agent as well yeah so they have a team. spot they have a spot to bring in some high caliber players now that they're a Super Bowl team now that they know that they have the Joe Burrow offense to sell as this how good yeah. they are they're going to, they could easily get in some big names on that secondary. I've obviously been chatting about the Bengals for, for a few years now. Like I thought that they were kind of building towards something. I'm, I'm, I'm still genuinely gobsmacked the idea that like, this is a free agent destination The red rifle and the inevitable co- like collapse in the wildcard round is no longer the story of the like, Bengals. It's incredible. This, it's this, shitty, chilly, and possibly yeah. explosive offense. Well, this is it. Like, you have watery, chilly, and dead gorilla. That's all Cincinnati's <laughs> meant for. Now they've got something good going. It's amazing. Yeah. No, but though, uh, I'm very excited. Obviously, we'll, we'll, we're probably going to take a bit of a break for a couple of weeks, uh, recharge the batteries, and then uh, come back and start into... You know, we're going to have a feed of free agency. We're going to have to start doing some stuff on the draft, talk about prospects, talk about what, what teams are going to need and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I suppose for now, we're going to wrap up the the, the, the Super Bowl wind-up because I'm sure you've probably listened to us enough at this point. Uh, so for now, it's bye from myself, bye from Sean. Bye. Bye from Harry. Bye. Bye from Ronan. Bye from Cork now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he had to disappear to go and catch a bus. So... Uh, it's been awful quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>